Well, good evening. My name is Tyler. I am the lead pastor here at Outfitter Church, and um, I don't know if you guys have been to the South very much. Um, I like to say the phrase that I was born in Texas, so I learned how to brag, and I moved to Wyoming so I'd have something to brag about. Um, so trust me, this is my home, but I, when I think about how uh, cold and slick the roads are tonight, I just want to use a southern phrase that it blesses my heart that you are here tonight. It really does mean the world to me. Thank you for being here. Um, God is good. This is our third service as a church in Barnun, and I cannot thank God enough for what he's doing in my life, my family's life, our church's life, and then also in everyone who's here. It just, again, thank you. We love you. Appreciate it. For our one-year anniversary, my wife and I went to a small town called Story in Arkansas, and we went to my aunt and uncle's cabin. I have since learned that my wife does not like camping for anniversaries, so we go to nicer places now. But we went on this one. It was our first time, and we didn't know. And on this time, we, my aunt and my uncle, they, they met us at their cabin to exchange the keys, show us how to drive the boat that they let us borrow for the week. And uh, there was one thing that my uncle Harrison, was, his legacy is that every morning at about 4.30, he was going to wake up and he was going to go for a two-mile walk every single day. He's in his 80s now, and he still walks. And so we did not get up at 4.30, praise God, literally. But we did in the morning, we, we got up and we were going to go for a walk before they left and let us enjoy our anniversary weekend at the cabin. And I grab, a, a, if you will, a shepherd's stick. I grab this long walking stick. Uncle Harrison grabs a long walking stick. And this random dog, it's a lassie dog. And it, it shows up and, and he's like, this dog's named Ruby. And I'm like, who's Ruby belong to? He's like, I don't know. But every time we're here, the, Ruby shows up. And I said, okay, great. And he goes, Ruby always goes for a walk with us too. So I said, okay, cool. I love dogs. My dog's not with me. So let's go walk with Ruby. So I take our, we take our sticks and we go for a walk. And we're walking along, walking along. Ruby's behind us. And, and I turn around just in time to see the sketchiest German shepherd in the world sneaking up on Ruby. Ruby turns around. And that's when I realized Ruby is one of the most prideful dogs I've ever met in my life, because if a German shepherd was coming after me, I would turn and run. But she turns and fights, and, and, and they're getting into it. I'm smashing this, this stick on the ground, trying to break it up. Ruby walks away with a little bit of limp and a little bit of blood. And we keep going on our walk. Country living, right? She's a tough girl. And so we keep going, and my uncle says, that's, that's, I've never seen that dog, but as soon as we take this turn and go up this hill, there's a black lab that she hates, and he hates her, and my goodness, they get into it every time. And I was like, oh my goodness, here we go. And so we, we take the turn, we go up the hill, and sure enough, that black lab is just standing there. And he's looking. He's at the edge of his property line, and, and Ruby sees him, and he sees her. And we're at like 150 yards away, so we just make our way, and Ruby's right here beside me. I said, come on, Ruby, stay with me, stay with me. And finally, when we get to the top of the hill, we're now within me and you, brother. And, and, and this, this black lab is barking. Ruby's looking at it all kinds of cross-eyed. And Ruby begins to move faster to get in front of me and tries to flank around to start this fight. So I step up. I'm like, no, Ruby, come on, come on. I grab that long stick and I stick it right in front of her face. And I push her back onto the path. See, she wanted to veer off the path and go into destruction and into a fight 
I didn't realize that in 2019, I guess that was in 2016, that, that you could be a shepherd still. But that's what I did is, is in that moment, I, I got to go back in time into, or into a different culture than my city upbringing. And I shepherded Ruby back onto the path and we avoided the fight. We go down the hill, we complete the walk with Uncle Harrison and Ruby is unscathed other than the you know, scuffle with the German shepherd. Um, and I told my uncle afterwards, I said, I didn't realize that I was gonna get to shepherd a lassie dog today, um, but now I can add that to my resume. And uh, I, I tell that story because the passage that we're going to be in today, uh, it, it talks about shepherding. It's Psalm chapter 23. We've often heard this at funerals uh, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, right? Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I tell you that story because Ruby was going to go off the path, but I was able to shepherd her back onto the straight way. And that's the type of God that we serve, is when we go off the wrong path, he's faithful to shepherd us to put us right back on the straight way. And so the truth of this passage, Psalm chapter 23, is that because the Lord shepherds us through all things, we can trust the Lord in all things. So it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life, the Lord is shepherding you through it so you can trust him in it. And so please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 23. Now, as is our custom, we have the scriptures on the screens behind me so that you can follow along. However, I just have a love for the physical copy of scripture. And so if for your ease, if you're wrangling toddlers, please, it's on the screen, okay? You don't have to worry about your Bible. Uh, but if you don't have a Bible and you would like one, and on the edge of every row is a stack of Bibles, and that is our gift to you. Everything that we teach and believe here at Outfitter Church comes from the Word of God. And so we want you to be, whether it's on the screen or whether it's on a Bible in your lap, we want you to be following along, knowing that if God doesn't say it, then we don't stand by it. Um, but if God does say it, then we build our lives upon it. And so again, if you don't have a Bible or you would like a Bible, that is our gift to you. We want you to know that we stand upon God's word and that's where we find our authority is only in God, not in ourselves. And if you do have one of those Bibles, Psalm 23 is on page 483, 483. Let me read this, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. And yes, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse five. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The book of Psalms is... Oh, if you grew up in church or if you grew up in a Southern Baptist church, I don't know, you were probably familiar with these things called hymnals. 
A hymnal is a book, a collection of songs from hundreds and hundreds of years ago up until here, not too, too long ago. But it was called a hymnal. And it was the song book of, uh, of for, for a lot of people, of Christianity, uh, but specifically among a, a Baptist or every denomination has their own song book with selected songs in it. Well, the book of Psalms is the songbook of ancient Israel. And so when, when Jewish people would, would gather together in their homes, these were some of the songs that they would have sung. This is going back to ancient times. Um, when, when David was, was in pain, he would write a psalm to the Lord. When David wanted to rejoice, he would write a psalm to the Lord. And so how amazing in the creative God that we have that he inspired an entire book of the Bible that's all poetry, it's all songs so that we could worship him and praise him. And so what's happening in Psalm 23, it's actually a song written by King David thanking God for what it is like with him shepherding his life. And so we're gonna break this down. We're just gonna go line by line and we're gonna just unpack what this meant then and how it applies to us today. The first verse you see is the Lord is my shepherd. You'll see that it's in all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord. What that means is it's, it's referring to God's personal name, Yahweh. Now, early on in the Bible, God tells Moses, another a, a key player in the Old Testament, to do something. And Moses says, okay, but if you want me to do this and I go to these people and tell them what you said, who do I tell them sent me? And, and, and God's response is, I am who I am, or you can translate it, I will be who I will be. And that in Hebrew was Yahweh. Now, um, Jews had such great reverence for God, they wouldn't pronounce that name. And so our best guess is it would be pronounced Yahweh. And so when you see all caps, Lord, in your Bible, it's referring to the personal name that God revealed to Moses himself as, this is who I am. And so David starts out with saying, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, literally translated, Yahweh is the one shepherding me. I lack nothing. Yahweh is the one shepherding me. I lack nothing. I have no needs. This is not a prosperity gospel that if you believe in Jesus, he'll make you rich and give you everything you've ever wanted. No, 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 no. This is not, if you want to read and study about the life of David, he was almost killed almost every other weekend. He was constantly running for his life. He constantly had, even at one point in time, one of his sons is trying to kill him. His son does take over his kingdom and kicks him out and he's running into the mountains to hide and not die. And yet he still writes, I lack nothing. This has really been the theme of this whole Is He Worthy series that we've been going through as we started out. And it's, it's not that Jesus gives you everything you could ever dream of and you'll always have the new trucks and the nice gear. No, it's, it's this hard to explain thing that when, when Jesus, when Yahweh, when God is the one shepherding your life, there's this strange contentment that even in the midst of despair, you can say, I lack nothing. And so David starts off that way. Yahweh is the one shepherding me. I lack nothing. Verse two, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. 
That first sentence lets you lie down in green pastures. There's two huge things right there. First off, I grew up in the city. And if, if I'm looking around, I don't know too many shepherds that are in the room. So let's do just a brief summary on sheep. They stink and they're scared of everything, right? I don't know if they stink, I kind of made that up. But I know that they're scared of everything. They're very, very timid animals, right? And so it says that he lets me lie down in green pastures. It was, it was a known trick that shepherds would put goats in among the flock of their sheep so that, because the goats were a little bit more bold. And so whenever they'd put them out to pasture and they were around green pastures, the, even though they're in a great place, the sheep might still be scared. They might not be able to trust that they're safe. And so the goats would lay down and that would show the sheep that it's a little bit safer and they would lie down as well. And so they're this incredibly timid and scared animal. And yet David says, by the way, David, before he was King David, was a shepherd. And so what I think is so beautiful is that he writes this song inspired by God based off his life experiences. All of us have life experiences and it's really helpful whenever we can start relating how God loves us in the same ways in which we experience life. And so David was a shepherd. He understood what it meant to take care of sheep and, or take care of sheep. And now he's saying, just like the sheep I used to take care of, I realized that God takes care of me better than anything. And so he says, he lets me lie down, which means that when Jesus, and so, and so let me make a quick connection. This says Yahweh, right? This is God. Well, as we go into the New Testament, which we've been going through all, uh, all this whole series of Is He Worthy? We recognize that, that God comes in the flesh in a man named Jesus. And this man was born, he lived, he died. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death on our behalf. And so we recognize that, that when it says God here in the Old Testament, we, we see the fulfillment of, of who this God is and in the man of Jesus Christ. And so I'm gonna use God and Jesus interchangeably because he is God in the flesh. And so anyways, it says, when God is the one shepherding you, when Jesus is the one shepherding and guiding your life, you have this ability to know that you're safe. You have this ability to know that you don't have to fear what could be lurking in the distance. You can lie down but not just lie down, but lie down in green pastures. Again, let's just do a summary of sheep. They don't eat lots of different things, they eat grass. And so David is saying, he lets me lie down in a place where I can find nourishment for my life. For me, that would be like saying I get to lay down in the middle of a ribeye steak with some mashed potatoes and some, some grilled asparagus on the side. And, and maybe if we've got any hunters in the room, it's like saying that God lets you lie down <clears throat> on a plate full of elk backstrap smoked to perfection on a Traeger grill, right? Maybe, maybe he, what, but what David is saying is that when Jesus is the one guiding your life, you can be safe and secure. You can lie down and be nourished with what you need in life. He leads me beside the quiet waters. Another thing, they're scared animals. If water is rushing, they're not gonna go to it. It doesn't matter if they're going to die of thirst, they will not drink from loud waters from rushing waters. So a good shepherd has to know where the still water is, where the smooth flowing water is so that they can get nourishment and life. 
So he says, he lets me lie down with the elk backstrap, but he also knows where to take me in my life where I have fears and vulnerabilities and insecurities and I can't, and I'm, and I'm crippled by that, yet God knows where to take me that I can still get nourishment. Did you catch that? It's not because the water's not drinkable. It's that the sheep is too afraid. And David is saying that God knows his fears and even despite his fears, he knows where to take him in life so that he can be nourished. I think about on Casper Mountain in the springtime when the snow's melting, you go up to, uh, <clears throat> to the waterfall. That sucker is roaring. It's loud. Mist is coming off everywhere. You try and take a picture close to it and your phone gets wet, right? And so that's in the springtime when there's snow melt. But if you go up there right now, it might be a slight trickle. Think of that as the still waters. God knows where to find the still, quiet waters. It says in verse three, he renews my life, or you may have uh, read this before, he restores my soul. Literally, this passage means <clears throat> he lets me catch my breath. We talked about earlier where, where he says, I lack nothing. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He, he lays me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He lets me catch my breath. And if you were still unconvinced that, that uh, when he says I lack nothing, that, that his life was easy and luxurious. No, your life's not easy and luxurious if you're having to catch your breath. And so he says, he restores my soul. He lets me catch my breath. See, brothers, sisters, the Christian life gets hard. Like, like really, really hard sometimes. The whole basis of Christianity is dying to your sinful, selfish desires and living for God's holy and righteous desires. That's not easy. And so constantly, day after day, we are faced with our sin and we are confronted by our flaws and we have to take them to the cross. We have to accept forgiveness for those and move forward. Sometimes in that process, it gets hard. David knows this because he was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, you have to move your sheep long distances, sometimes over treacherous terrain. Sheep get tired. David says, the Lord, the Lord does these things in my life. He leads me to these places, but he also lets me catch my breath. I want to encourage you. Life gets hard. <laughs> if you're going through a tough season right now, Christian, hang in there. Again, this is a promise for Christians. If, if you don't believe in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you've not repented of those sins and turned to follow him, then, then we'll get to that in a minute. But this promise doesn't apply to you. But if you're in the room and you've put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you, no matter how hard life seems, God knows when to let you catch your breath. He restores my soul. He leads me along right paths, or if you've heard this differently, he leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, we go back to, is the Christian life easy? No, it's not. One, you have to catch your breath. You're having to find food to be nourished. You're having to find water so that you can keep going. And, and in all of this, God is leading you on paths of righteousness. Again, not paths of comfort and luxury, but but paths in which you're going to have to lose your breath if you're going to be on the path of righteousness. 
If you're, if you're in this room and you're not a Christian yet and maybe you're here just exploring this whole Jesus thing, if you think that the Christian life means that once you give your life to Jesus, everything gets easy, I just, I, I just wanna play Mythbusters for a moment. It's not true. Paths of righteousness don't look fluffy and easy. Paths of righteousness oftentimes take you into the darkest places you've ever been. Not to sin, but to bring light to sinful places. Cornerstone uh, Evangelical Free Church is doing a, a sex trafficking conference here in just a few weeks. That's not a fun path to be on. That's not a fun path to, to have to know about, but it's happening. Paths of righteousness means that as you follow God, God's gonna take you into dark places so that you can shine the light of hope and freedom and redemption to the people who are blinded by the darkness. Paths of righteousness means that you're going to have to go into those dark places. You're going to have to, um, to fight for your friends when you see sin and brokenness taking over in their lives and these addictions and these shortcomings that they have and they just can't kick them and it's costing them their families. It's costing them their children. You're going to have to fight. That's a path of righteousness. And when you see your family or your loved ones and they refuse to accept that God loves them and they're, and they're in all kinds of unhealthy tendencies, you're going to have to fight for their souls in prayer, saying, God, would you please set them free from these things that are ruining their lives? God, would you please open their eyes so that they can see that they were created for more than this? That's paths of righteousness. Paths of righteousness looks like weeping with those who weep and rejoicing with those who rejoice. Paths of righteousness are not comfy and fluffy. But paths of righteousness mean that you are always accompanied by Yahweh who is shepherding you, who lets you lie down in green pastures, who leads you to the still waters, and who when you're absolutely exhausted in your service to him, he lets you catch your breath. Says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Maybe you've heard this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Literally translated, when I walk through the valley of pitch blackness, I will fear no evil. Sheep won't go to water that's not flowing slowly. You think they'd walk through a pitch black valley? Absolutely not. And that's the beauty of this passage. Sheep cannot do that on their own. When Jesus is the one shepherding and guiding your life, he enables you to do what is on your own impossible. Either because of your fears or because of your sin. You can't do it, yet when Jesus takes control of your life, you can <clears throat> David is saying that a sheep would not walk through a dark valley, but when the shepherd is with it, it will. I think specifically of the Stockton family. Um, Outfitter Church, we have uh, a membership and our members meet every other month at what we call members meetings where we worship the Lord together. We celebrate what he's done. We also make decisions together as a church. And here at our last uh, members meeting on, on Sunday, we approved and affirmed our first missionary. 
Meaning that we're sending money every single month, starting in January, to Justin and Misty Stockton, uh, which is a family in Casper, that he's now the pastor of a church in Medicine Bow, Wyoming. There's 284 people down there, and we think about 14 of them believe in Jesus. That place needs a pastor. And so, uh, just so you know, as, as you're a member of our church and you give, uh, we're, not, we're not stockpiling that money as some people think churches do. No, brother, sister, we are giving it out. We want people in Medicine Bow. We want people in Warland. We want people all across the world to hear about Jesus. And then when you give your life to him, you can go through the valleys of pitch blackness and you shall not fear. You don't have to be afraid because Jesus is with you. And so I'm pumped up about the Stocktons and, and I know they're going through pitch blackness because he's a full-time tile layer. Misty also works to try and bring in some income, but they don't have enough to be able to go pastor their full-time. So, so as a good shepherd, he wants to be with his sheep, but he's also got to take care of his finances. And so he's in this weird limbo where he's like, I don't know what to do, but I know that God's going to provide and I'm going to get to shepherd my flock in Medicine Bow. And it doesn't matter. God's not only with you if you're a pastor or a church planter or a missionary. No, if you're a nurse, if you work on an oil rig, if you're a mechanic, if you're a stay-at-home mom, there's lots of pitch blackness in every one of your lives. At some point, you're going to walk into a situation where you're not certain what will happen. You think, if I'm a teacher and I, and I start telling people about Jesus at my school, I wonder if I'm going to lose my job. You say, I wonder if, 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 if at the oil rig if, or at the oil field uh, where I work, forgive me for not knowing the right terms, I'm not in the oil field, but uh, when, you, when you go to that job and you say, uh, if, if I don't say these words, if I don't act like this, then these people are going to call me a prude, they're going to call me a weird Jesus freak, I don't know if I'm going to lose friendships over it. Fill in the blank. Maybe you're afraid that standing up for Jesus is going to cost you something. Let me encourage you, friend. Move forward. Walk into the pitch blackness knowing that he is with you. And he's not empty-handed. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. He says, I fear no danger because Jesus is with him. God is guiding and shepherding his life. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A shepherd would have a rod that, that would have a straight end and a crooked end. The straight end, when a wolf or when anything would come in, you just smack that sucker in the face and you protect your sheep. But when a sheep stumbles and falls, guess what? He can reach in and pick you up. And so David is saying that it doesn't matter when I'm going into the unknown parts of my life, that when God is the one guiding and shepherding my life, if danger comes, he can protect me. If I stumble and fall, he'll pick me up. And so brother or sister, move forward following Jesus. He moves on now from talking as a shepherd to talking as a king. And he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. War was very different then than it is now. Oftentimes they would face one another. You'd see the whole army. And when there's an army here and an army there and they're fixing to come together and chaos will ensue and death is certain, David says, it's in that moment that when God is the one shepherding your life, God sets a table down in front of me and I can eat 
in the presence of my enemies. Friends, I want to tell you that only when Jesus is your shepherd can you have peace in the midst of chaos. He says, you anoint my head with oil. If we go with the kingly state, um, they would anoint their heads and their faces with oil. The sun is hot in Israel. It is today and it was back then. And so it worked as a sunscreen, keeping your skin vibrant and rejuvenated. If you go with the shepherding, a shepherd would put oil on the wounds of his sheep so that they wouldn't get infected. And so whichever way you want to look at it, God is the one who, who covers you and keeps you rejuvenated. God's also the one that tends to your wounds so that you don't get infected and so that your wounds can be healed. He says, my cup overflows. I haven't lived in Wyoming long enough to know how often it rains, but I know growing up, I would just see rainstorms that seemed like they lasted for a, a month. And I remember after several days of hard, torrential, downpour rain, you look out at the yard and you say, Dad, Dad, why is the water standing there? And he said, son, because the ground just can't take in anymore. Can I tell you, that's what it's like when you follow Jesus. That the goodness of God pours on you so heavily that just as when it rains for days and days and days, the soil is completely saturated with water and it's saying, I can't take any more. That's what it's like when Jesus is the one shepherding and guiding your life. You simply can't receive all the goodness he has for you. Verse six says, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Only goodness and mercy, says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow after me all the days of my life. That literally means, the word pursue means to chase. God has put so much into your life, into my life, into his creation. You think about a guy who's gone elk hunting and he's been out there for days and he finally, he, he rips a call out and he hears a bugle. Do you think he's gonna be like, nah, I don't really want that. No, you put all this work into it and then when it calls out, you chase it, you pursue it. You don't quit until you get it. That's what it's like when Jesus is the one shepherding your life. You say, um, um, maybe someone in your family got cancer or you lost a loved one and you turned your back on God. Let me just say, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted in Jesus, even when you turn your back on God, he's chasing after you to change your mind. Or maybe you decided, even though that God's taking care of you, that you wanted to choose this sin and you wanted to get off the right path and you wanted to see if that would bring you satisfaction. In that moment, God's not turned his back on. You know it says that only goodness and faithful love will chase after me all the days of my life. Friend, brother, sister in Christ, I want to encourage you. If you feel far from God, it's because you just simply need to repent. God is not far from you. The Bible says he is chasing after you with his goodness and his faithful love. It says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Literally means I will return to Jesus, or I will return to the Lord's house every day of my life. See, once you've trusted in Jesus as the shepherd and guide of your life, you recognize that no one else can satisfy you like he can. Christians, you have heard what it is like to be shepherded by God. 
May you thank him and may you praise him for that. Now let me read this backwards in opposite. I, w- I want to, some of you came here tonight not believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of your sins with his death on the cross. I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're exploring Jesus. Let me, let me read this passage to you as if Jesus isn't the one shepherding your life. Ready? The Lord is not my shepherd. I cannot find fulfillment. I can't lie down in green pastures because I'm too afraid. I can't find quiet waters everywhere I go is rushing. No matter how much I try, I can't catch my breath. I'm exhausted. I am not walking along the paths of righteousness for God's name's sake, and whether I'd like to admit it or not, I'm on the wrong path for my own name's sake, living for myself. And yes, when I go through the valley of pitch blackness, I fear all the danger because Jesus is not with me. His rod and his staff do not comfort me. I don't have a table prepared for me in the presence of my enemies because in the midst of chaos, I can't find peace. My head is not anointed with oil. My cup does not overflow, but rather is empty. I have rejected God's goodness and faithful love that he wants to pursue me with. And though I go constantly searching for something, I never go to the places where I am in surrender to God's lordship in my life. During the Vietnam War, There was a, I think his name was Jerry Denton. He was a pilot. And he got shot down. He was captured into a POW camp by the North Vietnamese. And they brutally beat him. At one point in time, they did an interview for propaganda to show what it was like for them. And, and he pretended to be blinded by the lights and the cameras. And he, and he blinked in such a pattern to use Morse code to say torture so that the Americans could know what was happening. During that similar time, there was another guy that was shot down and taken into this POW camp and was beaten as well. This guy came out with something that we call doublespeak. It was a coded language that he was writing in letters to his wife. His wife figured out the code and began relaying the messages uh, to leaders in the, in the American forces, the military. And they start devising this plan. And they come up with this amazing plan that they're going to fly to SR-71 Blackbirds over this POW camp. If you don't know anything about that, that's a plane that can fly upwards of 2,000 miles per hour. They fly at Mach 3. And when they fly over something, there's a sonic boom. And so they devise this amazing plan that, that they would have rescue forces armed, ready to save them at a nearby location. And they were using this coded language to get the message back that says, when you hear the two sonic booms 15 seconds apart, that means that in the next moments of your life, get out of that camp. There is freedom nearby. We will save you. In the midst of this plan being devised in their communications back and forth, 
Two men tried to escape and they were caught 12 hours later. They beat them for 38 days straight. One of them died because of uh, damages he, he took on during that. And just a few days before the rescue plan went into action, one of the soldiers convinced the senior officer that none of them will run away because they were too afraid of what would happen if they got caught. And so sure enough, the SR-71 Blackbirds fly over the camp, two sonic booms, 15 seconds apart. No one leaves. Rescuers are nearby, waiting to take them home. But because they feared what the enemy could do to them, they stayed in misery and in torture. In Hebrews chapter three, the author is writing to people who've been getting beaten and, and some of them even killed for their faith. And he says to them, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he's referring to a time in the Old Testament when, when Jews were told to do something by God and they didn't do it and it cost them great sacrifice. He writes to these people and he says, today if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Though I am not perfect, you have heard about the perfect God tonight. You've heard about his perfect love for you. You've heard about his perfect son, Jesus, that died on the cross for your sins. And if you will repent of those sins and follow him in his teachings and let him guide your life and shepherd your life, you will have true life. You will have forgiveness and you will have eternal life in heaven with God. So tonight, symbolically, two SR-71s have been flown over your soul. The warning has gone out. Freedom is nearby. Rescue is possible. Salvation is yours. Tonight, I want to ask you, will you run to the rescue? Or will you stay in fear of what it would be like if your enemy found out? Will you stay enslaved to your sin? Stay enslaved to your shame? Or will you run to the freedom that is offered to you in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? I'm going to ask Ashley to come up and, and, uh, and to begin playing so that we can really just reflect In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the true shepherd. He says that he lays down his life for the sheep. And he says the thief, Satan, the enemy, the devil, he says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that the sheep may have life and life abundantly. This is our last message in the is he worthy series. And I ask you tonight, is Jesus worthy of your life? If you want to run from slavery to the freedom at the nearby location, his name is Jesus. And he's standing there waiting. Surely goodness and mercy shall chase after me all the days of my life. Jesus has been chasing after you 
Will you accept that? Maybe you have questions about that. That's good. Let's talk. But if tonight while you've heard God's word preached, you're ready to follow Jesus, I want you to pray a prayer with me. And then I'm going to want you to check that connect card that says, I decided to follow Jesus. I want to make sure you have a Bible. I want to make sure that you have a Christian friend that can help you learn what it means to follow him. You've heard the warnings. Freedom is accessible to you. If you want to run to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer after me. After this, I'm going to pray for our church, and then we're going to sing praise to the Lord. If you want to follow Christ tonight, I want you to pray this after me. Jesus, I want you to shepherd me. I want to lie down in green pastures. I need to catch my breath. Please forgive me of my sins. I've not listened to you. I've not lived life how you want me to. But today I know that you will forgive me. So I ask for you to save my life. Give me a new life. Help me to follow you. You are my shepherd. I lack nothing. Again, if you prayed that, would you please tell me today or tell somebody or check that top box. Leave your phone number so I can give you a call this week. Again, I want to make sure you have a Bible. I want to make sure you know what it means to follow Jesus. We want to help you. Now let me pray for the church and let's sing praise to the Lord. Father, thank you. You are the shepherd of Outfitter Church. We need you. We love you and we're grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen.